0: Elizabeth Acevedo has nothing to prove when it comes to her writing. She is a master of the pen. Her third novel, Clap When You Land, will leave you
1: wanting for more in every line. In this beautiful story written in verse, we meet Camino and Yahaira, two young women bound together by a man who straddles two worlds, the United States and the Dominican Republic. After
0: the father dies tragically in a flight back to the Dominican Republic, the two young girls soon learn that through their loss, they have found each other. I'm Denny. And I'm Veronica.
1: Join us on this episode of the Vulgar Dreams of Podcast as we discuss Clap When You Land.
0: Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code Genius to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order.
1: Hello, welcome back. Back, hey hey, back,
0: hey! hey. Back. <laughs> <laughs> we're your hosts the vulgar geniuses my name is denny and i'm veronica and we're so glad to have you on
1: this show today yes we are talking about our young adult pick of the month which is clap when you land by elizabeth acevedo but before all of that we are going to introduce to you guys to our lovely um guests who are they um First and foremost, we have, you know our our YA correspondent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we have the lovely Rachel uh, who is joining us today. She is um, our YA correspondent. You will probably hear a lot more of her throughout the year, and we're happy to have her back on the show. And then we also have a very, very, very special guest, a returning guest. Yes, one of our faves. Put your hands together for the one, the only, (laughs) Michelle Lizette Flores. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming back. Um, We recruited you, we, we hit you up and you immediately said yes. And you know, it warms our hearts whenever we have anybody return onto the show and you are one of my favorite guests that we've had on this on this podcast so I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. um, (laughs) We know from previous podcasts that Elizabeth Acevedo is one of your favorite writers and so you definitely jumped (laughs) at the chance to talk about (laughs) this particular book and we are glad to have you and so before we talk about Elizabeth we want to talk about you, Michelle, <laughs> we want to talk about you. So, Michelle, why, why don't you let the people know who you are, what you do, and what new things you have out for us?
2: Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so I am Michelle Lizette Flores. I am an educator, author, and content creator. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Shelly Flowers Reads and Writes, where I talk about all things related to reading and writing. That's my little tagline. Um, I'm plugging that because next month is National Poetry Month so I'm doing all kinds of poetry themed content everything from book tags to author interviews to panels with poets that are also on YouTube so if you're into poetry definitely check that out and then I also just recently released my second chapbook of poetry Memoria which is all about let's see i basically exploring my maternal lineage, and uh, exploring that through a lens of grief um, and motherhood. So yeah, that's basically what I've been up to.
0: <laughs> well, thank you again, um, for coming on the show. And your book is so beautiful, and we appreciate you sending. We got an autograph copy.
2: Yes, always. <laughs> it's <so> special.
0: <laughs> it's personalized, straight for us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, let's talk about "Clap When You Land." Um, so, uh, for the short of it, um, this book is about a tragic. Uh, accident that happens when a plane crashes on its way back to the United States from the Dominican Republic, and on that plane, um, uh, everybody is has has died on the plane, but there is one particular person who the story is centered around, and it is around the father of two young girls named Yahira and um, Camino, Camino, and um, they lose their father on the plane. And what comes from out of that horrible accident is a secret that they had no clue. And that was that they are related. They (laughs) are sisters. They're half sisters. And um, so their father had been keeping the secret from them. And it is them finding out that secret and what it does to them and as a family with their separate families and them coming together as a unit uh, to grieve the loss of their father. So I'm going to start with Rachel. Um, I want to know what your initial thought was about the overall book. Like, what did you think about it?
3: Okay, so I honestly, I really, really like the content and the structure of this book. Um, I'm a person who's not into poetry whatsoever. I do not like it. It's just not me. But like, I don't know, this didn't feel like poetry, but at the same time, it did. It just felt good, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'll try poetry again because of this book. I really like the structure because it made it super easy to read. I don't know. Like, sometimes, even when you love reading really dense books and like seeing so many words on a page, can just feel draining. And I love that, like, you can get through this, but get through so many pages without realizing because like it's just written so well and structured so nicely and spaced out so nicely that it doesn't even feel like you're reading a book. It's just like reading a little post and you keep on going, you keep on going, you don't even realize it. And then the content, I honestly just really liked it. I really liked how they showed the emotions of both sides. Um, I like the plot too. And I think because like I related to, I didn't relate to like my father dying or anything, but I don't live with my dad. He lives in another country. So like some of the stern feelings of her feeling distant or just feeling like, especially in that one part where I think Camino said um that his death didn't feel like death. It just felt like a delay since he was never always there. I really, really liked how the author portrayed that feeling of her. And overall, I just think it's a nice book. It was a very enjoyable read. It's super easy to get through. And I liked it.
0: Awesome. What about you, Michelle? We know that you are a big fan. What, what is your take on Clap When You Land?
2: Uh, I just think, like, Elizabeth Acevedo always knocks it out of the park. And I think, kind of thinking about what you were just saying, Rachel, like, what I think makes Elizabeth Acevedo stand out as a poet is the fact that she is so skilled in her craft. Because when you look at this book, it's, it's poetry, but she's able to write about characters that might oftentimes get overlooked, like just a regular girl from the DR or a regular girl from New York and really shining a light on what makes them so special and, and what makes them like very distinct, independent characters. Um, And that's sort of like her philosophy on writing, because going through traditional writing programs, there's a lot of rules of what you should and should not write about. And I just love that she always focuses on, like even the opening scene, I think of Camino, where she takes the time to just describe the mud of the rainy season. That's not something that, you know, you might really want to read about in a YA contemporary book, but she makes it so like intense and dramatic and beautiful. And I think that's just like, a perfect example of who she is as an author, just forcing you as a reader to look at things you wouldn't normally even think about looking at. And even picking this crash, which happened, which was a real crash, like the whole story is based off a real crash that happened right after 9-11. So taking again, another piece of history that's very much forgotten and overlooked and just shining a spotlight on it. I, I think from a conceptual place to a craft place, she's just a complete master at what she does
0: amen to that what do you what do you think Denny
1: um so I've never read anything uh like that made by Elizabeth Acevedo but I've heard a lot of her like you know she's everywhere she's famous and then when I hear her speak like it it grabs your attention so I was very excited reading this book I, I like immediately in the first like 10 pages I was lost in my own world like I, she built me a new, a new world. Like, um, I think I, re- I read this book, like maybe in a couple days because I couldn't put it down. Um, this, this story, which uh, Michelle said is um, based on real life. Like it really happened. Um, I never heard of it, if I'm being honest, because I was not in this country when 9-11 happened. I was still in the Philippines so whatever news that I know of is like just international news. And yes, it is a forgotten unfortunately news that people a lot of people should know more about because nobody survived. It's it's a very very tragic story. But I think what what I really liked about it is um her story focused on on female protagonists, on families and I think every teenager that would read this can relate at, at, I think at some extent, because you can identify very, very easily with each of the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Elizabeth Acevedo really, really makes sure that her characters are very well-defined. Their emotions are well-defined, who, like, who they are, what they believe in. um, And the interactions between each character is very, very well thought of. Like you think you're just, you know, like one of um coming one of Camino scenes, like with her best friend, and she's Haitian, and she was like, oh, giving birth in the Dominican is is very hard because you're you're already in a different country. Like little things like that. She touched on healthcare. She would touch on mental health. She would touch on um, family relations. So. This this to me would be would be a very special book.
0: Yeah, for sure, because her ability to to touch on like so many different issues in this book, uh, it, frankly, is unheard of when you're reading YA because it's very like this is what we're going to talk about. Like, if there is a love relationship, we're not going to talk about any other themes around that other than this relationship that's happening. So, for her to touch on. Uh, the homosexuality of, of one of the characters, the, you know, the family dynamic, the immigration dynamic, the race dynamic is so many different levels to this book, um, which goes to show you like she is truly an amazing writer, <laughs> you know, for for lack of better words. Um, what she has been able to do with poetry and telling a story um, like, Michelle, when you were talking about her describing the mud, um, I think her taking that time to making the reader really want to pull themselves into the book and say, okay, I really want you to know what it feels like to be in New York City or to be in DR, like, to have that, that feeling when you're reading it so it makes you feel as if like you were like transported there into that book so kudos to her I can't wait whatever she comes out with next and it makes me want to read I have Poet X sitting at on my shelf at home I just hadn't gotten all the way through it so that's one book that I I (laughs) need to pick up I know trust me when I got the book Poet X actually at that time had been um Uh, a florida teen reads and so this was when i was becoming a librarian my very first year and i had so much stuff to do that i didn't get through that book and it hurt because i really like it i love poetry but it is on my tbr list i'm gonna get through it i promise michelle don't don't.
2: i'm just saying if you liked this you're gonna love the poet x because it's like I felt like I was reading my diary with the poet X. And this felt a lot, almost like a mystery adventure almost, which I think was really interesting. Because the way, I think it's Yahaira who like has to discover the clues and goes through her dad's files and does all this like snooping. And I just thought that was like such an interesting element to add on to all the other stuff. Like you said, she's, she's doing in the book.
1: Yeah. And I would do the same thing as Yahya did. I would be like, I'm yeah files like what, what they did in the story I would have done as a teenager yes. just seeing, I'm like I'm a FaceTime but I'm not gonna say anything <laughs> like I'm gonna find dirt on you dad like
0: same thing well this book um Clap When You Land is our book of the month for March and our previous book which was um not yesterday is history, but the one prior to that for January, King and the Dragonflies um, touch on this, on the themes of grief. So, you know, obviously we're met with this tragic uh, accident at the very beginning. What was your take on how both of those girls dealt with their grief within the story? Rachel?
3: I really, really loved how they showed how Camino dealt with the grief of not because I think it's really common when you get news so sudden and so weighted to just not believe it and try to distract yourself from whatever possible. Something that, that she really did that I think a lot of people can relate to as well is just trying to stay in the normal, not even reacting to it, like suppressing those emotions. She made sure that she wouldn't break down. She kept calm, but really inside you knew that she wasn't, but she wouldn't allow it to show herself um, to it, for it to show herself. Also, I don't know. I think a lot of people find comfort in trying to say, you know, it's not guaranteed. Like, what if maybe he will be saved? Her just constantly hoping, you know, it's not for sure. It's not certain. They haven't found him yet. There's always a potential. Even though, you know, deep down, I know she knows as well, she felt that he had died. She still didn't. Like, when they discovered the body and she had said, oh, like four days ago, four days of me not knowing, but I did know. Like she always knew from the start the reality, but just not being able to accept it is a really big part of grief that I think they showcased perfectly. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I loved.
0: What about you, Michelle? What did you think about the, the grief tie-in in the novel?
2: I think for me, like my experiences with grief have always been an expected death. So to have one that's unexpected like Rachel was saying, is like, you're in denial because you don't see that death coming. So then to have your whole world shift as a result, like it's going to take time to process that. Whereas, you know, for me, it's been family members who've gotten sick or, or something like that. Um, so I think like even though I'm familiar with the feeling of grief, never having experienced it in that way, I think it did really push me to think of what that might actually be like. Um, And I just can't imagine. And then to also have the characters go through it when they're so young and know that it's really going to shape who they are as women and their relationships with the men in their lives um, to like not only go through this grieving process, but then also go through another grieving process of knowing that, the man you thought you knew, you didn't know at all. And that's like a double layer of, I don't know, like anger and and frustration and all the feelings that they go through in the book. But it it really does, again, add more layering to the whole plot of the story.
3: And if I could add on to that, also something that I really loved how you were mentioning that you never felt grief in the way they did. I agree with that as well. I've never lost a family member, I've never lost anyone near me. So I haven't experienced grief so far in my life and I'm grateful for that. But what I love that Elizabeth Acevedo did was that she took feelings that we could have possibly felt in other situations that those feelings of denial, those feelings of anger and apply them to this situation that would allow readers to be able to relate to it in some form. Like even if we aren't experiencing the same exact situations as both of the characters, we still share those feelings. We can still find ourselves in them. And that's something that I thought was really big because a lot of times when you read and you don't go through what the character is going through, it's hard to get into the storyline and it's hard to understand what they're feeling. But she used like experiences that other people could have had and experiences that are really common and applied them to such an unfamiliar situation that we were still able to feel like we related to the
0: character. A lot of stuff comes out in death when people die right and so this story um centers is centered around the secret that the father kept about having these two children and them not knowing each other Mm -hmm. how did that like rock your world when you when you (laughs) got to that point of or just like the big reveal of her pulling that envelope out and
1: finding out I was like you know I I was terrified I'm like oh my god she's probably gonna like gonna know it she's probably gonna hate her dad and like it was I guess as an adult I knew that there would be there would be a point in the story that they would have to find out each other but when I would read YA I would put myself like at the age that I was like enjoying these books so if I, like, if I was, if I was going to do that, I was like, I was really, 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 like, satisfied on how she did it, on how, like, you know, the, the, how she found out about her sister, and then how she, how she thought that she was the only person that knew about it, that she was carrying that burden, and then she was, you know, they would both, she was imagining her sister's life in DR, and then when now, Camino knew about Yaya and then she was like oh maybe this is why you know my sneakers are always like second hand this is why you know all my stuff that comes here you know always takes a while this is why like my dad leaves for a certain point in time and then comes back like she's the reason like that hatred in the beginning of like you are the reason why I don't have my father is very, very valid. Mm. And I think like that fear of losing your father at that kind, at that kind of situation was like my biggest fear up to this day Mm. of like knowing that my, my relative that's not here with me right now is all of a sudden gone. Um, And it has happened, but not as tragic as what these girls went through. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, um, I knew that at some point it's going to happen, but just how she did it and how she, you know, talked about it and how she wrote it to me, that was very satisfying. Yeah. Um, the secret,
0: the secret, mm. <laughs> it's not an unusual secret. It is a yeah. secret that happens. <laughs> it doesn't take a plane crash to for it to come <laughs> out. Um, but I, I have had that secret happen, um, in my own family of finding out that you know someone else has fathered another child and they don't know until like either the funeral is happening or some time down the line and are just like that process of grieving when you know that there is this other family that exists and you all have to come together and you know do a funeral that can be very difficult i had a cousin whose father um, who she is the oldest of all of his children. And, um, so when she was born, he was still a student in college and then he went off and had a whole nother family and had nothing else to do with them. And then when she got older, she found out there was this other family that existed and his life was like a thousand times better Mm -hmm. when, you know, when she found out about this whole other half sibling and like the life that they led and how easy it was for her to be able to go to college while my cousin had to, you know, scrap and save and do all of this extra stuff. There is a level to my my father is dead. Oh, no. Finding out the secret. Oh, no. Finding out that one's life is better than the other. Oh, no what were your thoughts on the dynamics of like going in throughout that grieving process of the levels of anger that was felt why don't you hit us with it Michelle what do you what did you think about the the anger part
2: I mean I just I was just thinking like this is something that's also happened in my family and in a lot of my friends families um and I think the way that Elizabeth Acevedo captured the girl's anger was really accurate. And I felt like it felt very honest and I think it was completely justified, you know, but I also think it was interesting because it's like, even though the dad is clearly like kind of a terrible person. And like, if my husband were to do something like this to me, I don't even know how I would react, but she still humanized him given the situation and You know, I think that was a very smart decision because I think it's really easy to just write people off and and she didn't want to do that. And I think at some point the girls kind of just like, they didn't let their anger consume them. They didn't let their anger define them. And I think considering especially that like the authors writing about specifically young Black girls who come from more you know, challenging backgrounds, I think she does that on purpose with all of her characters. You know, this is like a very conscious decision she makes where their circumstances are varied and very challenging, but at the same time, they still have so much hope and they still try to see the good in everything. So I think just taking us as readers on that kind of journey is is what I really appreciated about the story.
0: Rachel, what about you when you found out all the different levels of deception that was happening?
3: <laughs> no, yeah. I think what I really liked about that, though, is how realistic she kept the character's emotions. It's something that you know happens in real life. Honestly, just it getting worse and worse. I know if it were me, I'd be dying. I would not react like these <laughs> girls did, but at the same time, I would. Because a lot of, that, a lot of their feelings of anger is, completely justified as michelle was saying you know in real life you'd feel that way as well but also what i really like is keeping the father still in like a half good light because at the end of the day especially if it's with kids this way i know with myself if i were in that situation it'd be a struggle because at the same time you're like you know that's still my dad at the end of the day like that's a person who before i knew all of this was still good who i saw in the best light possible um, as the best person so That's something that I really, really like is that even though they showed maybe like to us readers, if we weren't seeing it through their point of view, we'd just be like, wow, what a horrible person, what a horrible situation to go through. Like I'd feel nothing but anger, but they still show that side of them that still cared for their father, still tried to look at him in a good, positive way, still remember those things. And even with the sisters being, you know, any feelings of anger towards each other, or with the mom back to the whole keeping it realistic where the mom had said that she didn't want the daughter to come because that would just be too much for her. Even though you might read that and be like, wow, that's so bad. Like that's so selfish. It's still real because you know, that's a valid thing to feel like as a mother of a daughter and finding out that your husband has a whole nother kid, it's not easy to just be like, Oh, it's fine. Like bring her over here. It's something you have to get adjusted to. So I really like that. She kept it completely raw.
0: When the mom, when uh, Yaya's mom finds out about Camino, you know, it's like, it's only after Camino's mom has passed away. Yeah. And that decision of whether you are going to take this child into your home or let them stay where they are. I don't know. I had so many, I had so many feelings about it. Like I understood it but I'm like, man, like how, how I, that hurt my heart. Cause it's like, you knew that his, that he wanted to bring his daughter over there and that his only way to make that possible was through his wife yeah. who he had essentially betrayed and mm-hmm. had this other child with, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know how she was able to separate her. That part of herself, of like the mother aspect of like, there's a child that belongs to my husband who does not have a mom anymore. And how, you know, how could I leave her over there? I wonder if at any point would that person have weighed that option or would it, do you think that uh, you hear his mama was like, no like a just straight up like i'm not doing that i got one child and one child only and i'm not taking
1: anybody else i i don't think i can do that i think i would have done what she did um because to me that child jet that child basically had nothing to do with what his dad did so and that child is now an orphan um and, you know, the grandmother is there, but even hers, even the grandmother knows that Camino coming with, you know, yeah would be the best decision for her. So I I couldn't bear to leave that child. You know, I couldn't. And, you know, I would I would be hating like her in the beginning. I'd be like so protective of my own child, so protective of like our privacy and our own life. But after evaluating everything I think that has happened I wouldn't hesitate bringing her with me because mm-hmm. literally I you know that's half that's another part of my husband that's there and you know even though you sometimes you know because other people I've known like if I look at that child I see like the mistake but I think for me and I think that's what Elizabeth wanted to um, portray is like if you look at if you look at this child like you'd see the part that you love about your husband that has passed away Mm -hmm. so because you know because of all that realizations I don't I don't think I can't leave that child and especially what happened to her like you know she is being stalked and being wanting to be pounced on by El Cero Mm
2: -hmm. I don't
1: don't think I can do it Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I was gonna say I actually my best friend growing up was in this kind of situation where he was actually the product of a relationship like that. And then the mom ended up passing away and he stayed with the woman he like, called his mom growing up, but wasn't actually his mom. And it's like, I for me, I'm really interested in seeing a, almost like a sequel to this. I would love to see Camino's life mm. in the U.S. now. And sorry if you hear some noise in the background, that's my daughter. <laughs> um, totally okay. <laughs> um, But yeah, like just to see what her life is like and then what her relationship with Yaya's mom is like, Mm -hmm. because that's essentially like her only family now, really, aside from Yaya. So like, I don't know, that's I think that's my one complaint of the book is like it doesn't feel finished. And I'm very curious to see where it goes, Um, because that is a very complex relationship that doesn't get enough exploration, I feel. But there's only so much you can do in one book, so. <laughs> that,
0: is, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Rachel, about that That dynamic?
2: I personally
3: loved the inclusion of like a character like Yaya's mom and the whole her like controversial opinions at the beginning about taking in Camino because I think characters like that don't get shown enough and it really shows that not everybody's perfect because even though we may not have made the same decisions. That she did, there are still people out here, out there who would have done the same exact thing, who would have never even taken that child in, like without a second thought. So I really like that they still showed that people like that exist. They kind of showed that mentality and kept those characters with flaws like that, or in my eyes, flaws like that. Um, Yeah, I agree that, like, hopefully there is another book, because that's something we never get to see, whether it's in films and books, like, nobody really shows that, and if they do, I don't think they show it enough in, like, a perfect way or in a way that's given much thought to, so it'd be nice if a book, like, really got in depth with that relationship that they're gonna have, because, I don't know, I think it'll be difficult for the mom. At the beginning, though, when she originally first um, at the start where she was like you know i don't want this daughter to come to the u.s like i want nothing to do with her i think those personally like i read it as those feelings just stemming from anger at like i think it's wrongly directed anger like she's so hurt by what her husband's done that she doesn't even want a reminder of it at all because seeing that child it is a reminder of what he's done and that's something you just don't want in your life so i think like that was her way of just keeping as far away from it out of her mind as possible but now that Camina gonna be there, I wanna see how it's gonna be like.
0: The book is written in a way, well, we already know that it's written in a poem form. It's written in verse. And when I read the book, I did it with an audible book. Um, so I did not really pick it up until um, this morning <laughs> when I was finishing up the last chapter and I actually like looked at it, how it was written. And I love that she decided to break it up where Yaya is is in couplets yeah. and Kamina is in tercets, And I, I love that distinction um, between the two um, because it, it, it gives that feel of like when you're reading Yaya uh, that she is very New York. Yeah. Like her lines are short and Frass. to the point. <laughs> Where, you know, her sister Camino is just like, I'm going to give you all the words, (laughs) you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to describe everything. um, Because that's, that's what happens when you, you're from the Caribbean, like you want to explain everything. And yeah, so I love how she decided to make that distinction when you're, when you're reading them. Um, Who do you think was the main character of the story?
2: Um, I, I personally think, and maybe it's because I, I'm like stalking Elizabeth Acevedo, so I would hear about her writing process as she was going, and she talked about how Camino was added in later. So at first, this was just Geheira's story, and then Ebi Zaboy, I think, was the one who read the manuscript and said, you need the other sister here, we got to hear her story. Um, which I love, just like the melding of these two minds, you know, coming together. It's, it's like, reminds me of the days of like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien writing their books. Like, I love all of that. So I think it's like, again, this is why I feel like this story can't stop here, because I think this book is Yehida's story. But I would love to see Camino's story fully fleshed out, even more so than we can get in this book.
0: Rachel, did you have an idea? Who Do you feel no, like? Yeah,
2: I agree. But what I like, well, for
3: me reading this, I actually liked reading Camino's side more. Like all the little parts of Camino, I enjoyed more than reading a higher part. But I think it's just because like that, I don't know, like from the beginning, the mud scene, I just love like how in detail she goes with little things and how she gives life to things that people just don't pay attention whatsoever. I, lo- I love how she describes the island life of these little importances. I love the Spanish so much. And I think I liked um, Camino side because I relate to it more because I did grow up in an Island. I did grow up in a Hispanic household and I just enjoyed that side more and get like seeing it represented more in a book in such detail to somebody who feels like they can relate. So even though I do agree that this is more of a higher story, I still enjoyed Camino side more.
1: I really thought it was Camino. Like, I saying, <laughs> I, I was like, um, like this, because this is off, like in a good start. And like what you were saying, like, you know, how the differences and how they were, they were, you can hear them talking basically. Because mm-hmm. I, I did the book and I was like, you are such a genius, Elizabeth Acevedo. <laughs> but I, I hate you, but I love you. It's <laughs> like, who thinks of this? Who? Her? Um, but I thought it was Camino. Um, Why I say that is because maybe in my head, I was her a little bit um, because I also as an island girl that grew up from a far, far away land, Mm. but um, maybe because I can relate to her a little bit more and maybe because I, to me, like her little, her relationship with her grandma, the little, um, you know, sayings, the little traditions, it. It was very close to my heart how it was done, how it was being portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um not saying that yeah yeah story is not not important, it was as important because you you need to see like the differences of their lives. Um, but yeah, I thought it was Camino all along. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you for that fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> so um we deal with
0: um Men putting their hands in places where they're not supposed to go. Right. And the description of what happens to Yaya on the train is it is very short, but you instantly understand like what is what is going on in that moment. And she does it, she does it the same, she does it the same way in a different way when it comes to Camino and El Cero when they're in the out by the by the water mm-hmm. and because I thought when I was listening to it <laughs> I thought I had skipped the part because you know you're you're going I think it's like you is talking and then it immediately it switches to this moment and then it switches out and I'm like wait a minute what happened and I go back and I'm actually at that point that's when I pick up the book and try to figure out what was going on and I realized like you get this scene of like her tussling back and forth Mm -hmm. with this guy and the way that she wrote it the way that she wrote that scene all throughout until they are able to get her and bring her home and when Camino is talking she even though she's still in those three lines that she has now separated those words apart and shown you like she's trying to piece herself back together and as she does it she gets closer to closer to figuring out like okay you know like I'm safe I'm at home those words come back into their natural form and I love how she how she did that but in those particular moments um what were your thoughts about it's in regards to just Yaya for right now her playing chess and then we learn later on that she is not playing chess anymore and then finding out why she has stopped playing chess what were your what were your thoughts when you got to that moment if any
2: um I think for me like it just felt very real like I think it's a trauma response you know and I think what was so smart about how that was done was like when we think of someone getting groped on the train, it can be played out in a very melodramatic way, but Acevedo makes it very realistic of like, this is what, what it would actually look like. Cause she's busy. She's on her way somewhere that dude can very easily hop off, you know? And like, I think that was such a smart way to do it. And then I think, especially when you're younger and you go through experiences like that, you don't fully process what's happening to you until later on. And then once you do start to process, there's all this shame around it. There's all this desire to, like, no longer do the things that make you special, no longer do the things that make you happy, because it's almost like you feel like you're not worthy of that kind of stuff anymore. And I think that came through a lot for me, um, for both characters, really. Like, both of them in their own way are just trying to, like, fly under their radar, and they're both gifted in very different ways and the the unfortunately like some of the men around them are just very predatory and it's I don't know it's a very interesting commentary I think on on these girls relationships with the men that are around them and and unlike other books of hers because I feel like in other books this this is not a dynamic that's really talked about very much so I think it's interesting she brought it so much into this story
3: Yeah, I really like that it helped me honestly, those scenes actually helped me understand situations like that. Because a lot of people when it comes to things of this nature, they're like, Oh, why didn't you do something immediately? Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you try to stop it? And I think it really helps you understand that that's not the first thing running through your mind sometimes like if you're in a situation, especially for the first time, you're honestly just paralyzed. Like most of the time, so much is going on that you can't even react to it. And that actually helps me understand, like, what it feels like to be in that situation. And in both cases, also, like, with Yaya not saying anything on the train and with Camino not even, like, telling her aunt about what was going on. Cause she was like, well, what's her aunt gonna do? You know, her aunt may be respected, but at the end of the day, you know, she's just a woman that has. She doesn't get paid much, blah, 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 these things. Like, what is she really going to do to help? And I think that's a very, very valid feeling because a lot of times people are like, oh, why didn't you say something? But then if something was said, you could have felt like it wouldn't have helped anyway. Like, what was it going to do? And a lot of times people blame themselves for situations like that. So you don't want to express it and feel like you're at fault. And then somebody else starts looking at you differently. And especially with, um, with Yaya her going home and then her girlfriend coming over immediately running the back and tucking away that skirt. You know, you kind of want to suppress every memory of it that sometimes you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to share what you've been through because it's just reliving it. So it really shows that people have different experiences. And I really like that because that's not something, that's not a side that's shown many times.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that moment of her girlfriend coming over because there were no words that were ex- exchanged but she knew and you could you could tell from her knowing as if I too have gone through that very same thing mm-hmm. I, know I was just gonna happened. say that yep yeah like I I know what just happened and yep. so this is what we're gonna do and that's probably the same thing um that Dre had done herself mm-hmm. um yeah that that moment you know you don't have the language at that especially at that age when something like that is happening and what is played out throughout the book especially in that particular moment is her recalling what her her dad has told her in regards to playing chess never let them see you sweat Mm -hmm. and that is what she tells herself when that moment is happening and you know you're just like seeing her block out as much as she can to, so she can get to where she needs to go. Um, and it's kind of like a moment of it, you know, escapism for her so she can transfer herself somewhere else in a, it, you know, in a way where she can like block what is happening to her. Um, so I commend Elizabeth on touching on the the subject of the, um, the of the traumatic moment that happens on that train and also with Camino at, at the water.
1: Um who are you guys' favorite character?
3: My favorite character is Camino's pet. No, just kidding. Um
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> like a little wagon's tail
3: everywhere. I think towards the beginning I really enjoyed Camino's aunt a lot because I think she just did so much for her and honestly like I think relationships like that exist I think it's really really common also but her aunt was extremely selfless in what she was doing for Camino because it's not easy to become a mother of a child who isn't your own um so I really just love that her aunt was always there for her I love the whole saints whispering your ears that whole spotlight that little dynamic those details I really really enjoyed but I don't think I had like an overall, like one favorite character that I truly enjoyed more than everybody else because I liked all the characters so much. And I thought that they all showed such <clears throat> different qualities that I enjoyed reading about, all different reactions in similar situations, just seeing the dynamic between them and like the differences with similarities. I really enjoyed everybody almost equally, but like, I don't know, side characters like Beyond, and probably if I had to choose between both of them, then I'd favor Camino but not like by some large extent that I really
2: truly loved her over somebody else. I really enjoyed all of them.
0: What about you, Michelle?
2: Yeah, I, um, I agree. The aunt was it for me. Like it just, she just reminded me of all the women in my family. And like, my great grandmother was a curandera. So like that kind of stuff has like been around in my family. And I just saw so much of my own grandmother and my sister in the aunt, so it was just very cool to see a character like that, you know, fully fleshed out. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's interesting because I feel like I want more of Camino's story, but I really like Yahida as a character. And like, I worked in New York for a few years, and I just feel like I knew so many girls like that who were just so quick with it and and like very resourceful. And um, yeah, I just. I, I really liked her as a character. I really enjoyed reading her poems in the in the story.
0: I felt like Yaya and and, the, and Aunt Tia were like. I, I felt like they were like mirrors of each other in a in a way of like the protection that Camino needed, um, and the and the love and the family. It was just all united in in that um, in that book, and I really particularly like i really liked the aunt especially when she pulled out that machete <laughs> like i'm like
1: yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> i died when that happened i was like oh my god i wanted her to cut him so bad
0: <laughs> not he she didn't have to kill him but if she could just cut him just yeah. like just leave kidding. a mark yeah so that he would know like i can't mess with this lady she cut and me. it just
2: like, it brought for me the times when I would be in the backyard with my abuela and she would be with the machete, like hacking trees and all this. And I'm just like, like cutting up coconuts. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so real. Like this would happen. Like, so, how,
1: like how do those like little ladies do this? Exactly. <laughs> they look like so frail and like, you know, can't do nothing. And then like machete. <laughs> yeah.
3: They had that hidden
1: strength that pulled exactly.
2: through. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I I agree with Michelle. Actually, I if I was reading it as a as a as a as my younger self, I would want Yaya sex punk. Like I wish I was as brave as this chick. Like I want to grow up like her. Mm. Um, because I think I that's why I like I identify more as like Amino. You know, a little bit more, not really like more soft spoken, but a little bit softer softer in the edges. Yeah, I can just like punch you in the face and walk out and and she would do it so I was like you know what like they the sisters are almost kind of like a yin and a yang and they they didn't know that one 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 or the other would complete that circle so like I think that's why you know when she did it in the cover like it's like both of their faces together but also you know it kind of signifies like the, the two stories but I really think it's like a combination of like the two the two of them together and then like them landing in like New York mm. and um, being together is to me it was like ah that was so so bittersweet and then when I when I saw like you know when it why it was clap when you land why that was like the the title of like the the book I was like oh now it makes so much sense <laughs> like Cause for, for the life of us, we could never remember the, (laughs) I would say it wrong. Like I, I knew what the premise,
0: like why you clap when you land. Like I, I've been on that flight before, but I I could not remember the title. I kept messing up every time. I, I don't know what I was saying. Like when you, when you, when you land clap, I don't know. I was
2: I was changing it up
0: I'm reading like a thousand books at the same time at the moment so
1: titles are bound to get um yeah but like it to me it was like that was so perfect because like it encapsulates like why you clap when you land what that clap meant because we're you know we're all together we're alive and we are with family and then there's like this other life that we can continue further on so yeah it was it was a very good read for me
0: was there anything else in the novel that you all wanted to talk about that that you really were excited about that happened?
2: Um, for me, there's this one poem, I'm trying to find it now, but it's the poem where I think it happened right when, I forget who finds out about the crash, but like, all the words are just splayed over the pages and it's like little bits, almost like a plane crash. Right. And it's like the little bits and pieces falling everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I just love stuff like that in novels and verse, because I think for most people you go into a novel and verse wanting the novel. And like, that was a reminder, like, no, we're bringing the verse here. Like this is still a poem. We're going to play with white space. We're going to play with form. Um, we're gonna focus on emotions and like really break down the connection between the images and emotions. And I, I love it when I can see craft and story come together in that way. Um, so yeah, I, I just, and like you pointed out, the thing with like the couplets versus the tercets sets or like how on each page the plane, you know, goes to a different direction depending on who's telling the story. So all that little stuff of just like looking at the pages of the book, I I really loved that.
3: I really like, I was, I've been trying to find it literally since we started and I can't, and I'm so sad I didn't bookmark it, but I just love the descriptions and the types of descriptions that Elizabeth Alciveta gives. Um, With the one I've been trying to find that I loved immediately was where she talks about the truth. And I think she said something along the lines, like, the truth is like a leash that can grab you by the neck. And pull you into a place that you don't want to go and i'm trying to find it so i can get it exactly right but i think that was like one of my favorite descriptions in the entire book and just the description she gives for everything the amount of attention she pays to every little thingy and the comparisons that she makes especially when she was talking about you know that a queen both like strikes hard and it's often how she was talking about like giving you her hand the kiss but she can turn into a fist immediately. I just adore the comparisons that she makes and how she cho- chooses to describe certain feelings and certain aspects of the stories. And I think that was my favorite part about reading this book because in other books that I read they never go into details with little things like that. They never describe it with such precision and such care and that's something that i
1: really enjoyed about this book. Nice. And i think it really makes an impact like when you see like stuff like this like when sorry that was like my book like this. Um you know for the people that are listening it's like the words are you know a little bit apart from each other it's this is when the airlines are trying to pay um the family of how much mm. um they, they would pay whoever like lost somebody in the air, the airplane crash. And, you know, like she would say this, like the airline representatives say grievance, they don't say grief. And then, you know, at, at the end of all of this, like, you know, they, they would said a hundred thousand copies of Shakespeare, the Tempest, apparently a father there. She was talking about like what half a million dollars can buy. And all of a sudden she says, apparently, and then there's a pause, a father. Like something like that like as a young reader I think to me that would give you like the most impact and like and like the choice of words that she would that she would use here is something that I think is very relatable you don't have to like pull up a dictionary like know a lot of things it's based on your like own personal experience and things that you don't have to look far for Mm -hmm, at all mm -hmm. and I think because of that that's what makes her so relatable and that's what makes her novels like very very special to to adults to young adults to everybody that really enjoys reading um and I think for you know it, it's a good way of of introducing somebody that doesn't really enjoy poetry very much if you if you give like stuff like this to people that would like encourage more people to read poetry oh yeah um because it's it's a very special thing Um, to be able to put into words all these feelings and all these like subplots and all these themes into you know like a book especially for children Mm -hmm. not really for children you know but for young adults mostly for the youth um because I think this is where like minds are minds are um very you know very tender and you can you can really affect a lot of things um I wish I had I had read a book like this when I was younger, because maybe it would have created more insight for me. Yeah, she,
0: her, along with people like Jason Reynolds and Kwame Alexander and um, Rupi Kaur, they're all out here giving us poetry that we can just like literally live through because it is opening us up into. This world that is seen as to be a space when you are introduced to poetry can be very white and very complex where, you know, people are talking about flowers and trees and you're just like, well, what what is this about? Where is this taking me? But to have it done in this way, because you know Elizabeth Acevedo also has a background in slam poetry, and so slam poetry tends to not dive in into the traditional ways of how poetry is written. And it's like one of like, let me take this story and really give it to you, give you the meat of it, um, and not you know just being able to smell it. I want you to like it, fill your stomach up. And she has definitely fed us with um, every single word on every single line of this book. Um, So if those who are listening to us, um, if you are thinking about poetry, uh, if you think that poetry is boring, we highly recommend that you pick up this book and have your mind blown um, and uh, that Oh, yeah. I know for sure what happened because
1: it happened with me. Yeah. So any last words from um, from Ms. Rachel?
3: One thing I want to say for those listening too, another reason you should read this book is because I think it's so hard for an author and so satisfying for readers when they can perfectly detail how an emotion feels. But something that sets this book apart is that you can see it as well and how the sentences are structured, the words are spaced out. When things are scattered and all over the place, you think of scattered thoughts, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to feel, kind of being everywhere. So I think that's what's so great about this is you're not only reading and taking in what they feel, but you can literally see it on the pages. Like you can see the words, you can see the pauses, and you can imagine exactly how they're going through about these situations. And that's something that this book adds that no other book can really do.
2: So definitely. mm easy. Michelle. Yeah, so there's this one poem um, that I'm going to read a couple lines from because this is like a thought I've had my entire life, I think being a hyphenated American, right? And so the lines go, can you be from a place you have never been? You can find the island stamped all over me, but what would the island find if I was there? Can you claim a home that does not know you, much less claim you as its own? And that, like, I even marked it and was like, oh, my God, I put notes next to it and everything because that's my life story. Like, I'm a Cuban-American, and I never had the chance to go to Cuba until I was an adult, you know? And then going there and meeting family and recognizing that, like, you know, I'm very American, obviously, but so much of what I know to be me comes from this island. And, like, always having that question in the back of my mind. And I, that comes from one of Yahida's poems. And I think that's why she is like such a strong character for me. Cause it's like so many of my experiences were that. And so I think if you're someone who also has questions like that, um, this book, like Rachel was saying, can present those ideas in a much more visual and creative way than just reading a going home novel, like a traditional novel could.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We tried to get her on the show. (laughs) We tried. I just, I just left. (laughs) They, um, I emailed them and they were like, you know, she, she appreciates you all reaching out to her, but she's got stuff going on in her personal life right now. So she can't take anything, but she wants to do something later on. So, you know,
2: Michelle. Oh my God. I'm dying already. <laughs>
0: if we can get her on the show, we gotta bring y'all back. Yes. I'm lighting the candles as we speak.
2: Like
1: yes, we we need the we we need the candle lit, everything that you can do in your power. Yes. To make this happen, girlfriend.
0: So we're putting oh it on God. the podcast, we're putting it out into the universe, letting all the ancestors know, hey,
1: we gotta yes.
2: make this happen. Yes.
1: So, um, yeah. So, on that note. Yes. On that note, ladies, thank you very much again for joining us in this wonderful evening of conversation. We appreciate your time. And, you know, we appreciate you being in this space um, so we can celebrate books like this because these books are very, very, very important into into integrating in in this culture of ours. Yes. Um, More people need to know about this. This is a very enjoyable night. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for
3: having me again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we um, we are telling everyone to have a good day, night, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Yes. So be safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. (laughs) And good night. Good night. Bye. Bye, Bye,
2: ladies. Bye. Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed our show.
1: Follow us on Instagram at Club.
0: Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Dammit. That's spelled
1: S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time.
0: Deuces.